Welcome to the Maximum Movie Podcast, where we promote eating your fucking cinnamon rolls, bitch. Go eat them, motherfucker. Blake, and today we are going to be talking about the first episode of the new HBO show, The Last of Us, based on the 2013 video game of the same name. Um, I'm going to be approaching this just to be upfront and, you know, clear it already just so we can start talking. I'm just going to be approaching this from someone who has played the game <clears throat> and someone who knows the story. And... I, so if you haven't played the game, or don't want spoilers for what's going to happen, um, this might not be the podcast for you, this, the last, my Last of Us Talks, um, I just want to get that out there, just up front, um, but I'll probably be doing these every single episode, just talking about my thoughts, this is a little late, but, um, for the most part, I'll probably doing every Monday, I'll be uploading these, and I'll just be a spoiler discussion on the episode, and, kind of an analysis of how it compares to the game and how they adapt the game into the show. Um, but yeah, uh, but the, uh, yeah, this has been a show that I've been looking forward to for so long. I mean, I have been a huge fan of The Last of Us for years. Um, I remember when I first... I actually didn't play it. My first experience with The Last of Us wasn't actually... Um, me playing it. It was me watching someone else play it. It was actually PewDiePie's uh, walkthrough of The Last of Us, which my, was my first introduction. And I remember that was like, I remember watching that and I'm like, I feel like I'm watching a movie right now. It's basically like I'm watching PewDiePie react to a movie. Obviously there's some like gameplay sections, but for the most part, that story in the first game was, it was cinematic, extremely. And um, I remember being so like, when I first saw that, I was, I was along for the ride with PewDiePie watching that story unfold, and I was just blown away with how good it was. Um, and I, after that, I just became a massive fan of the property. I, uh, I would like watch so many walkthroughs of that game just to see people's reactions to certain moments. And eventually, I actually played the game myself. And um, I was a, I was a super fan. And I remember when they announced the second one, and I was so hyped. Um, for the second game, and, uh, you know, obviously, we know how that turned out. Uh, spoilers for The Last of Us 2, or Part 2, um, like, I remember seeing the leaks for that, about Joel, and his, uh, you know, his fate. Oh, man, I was devastated. It, because at this point, I had been... I played the game and I'd watched the walkthrough so many times. I had been, I became very attached to the character of Joel, who, um, you know, like the story is really seen through his eyes. At least the first game, the second game is Ellie, but when the second game just takes that character from the first game and you know, kind of uses him as a plot device rather than using him as a character, like they they treated him as he he was the like catalyst for the whole story. Of the like for part two, he's essential to the story, but like they use him more as a plot device rather than a character, obviously. Um, and 
I I was devastated when I heard when I read the leaks, especially with the manner it was like his death was done, and I uh, then I watched it the walkthrough of it with PewDiePie and I was like kind of the same reaction I'm like really that's, that's how they killed Joel, and uh, from there I, after like watching that rest of the game though I kind of understood where it was coming from, I think they could have switched the order of some things maybe to make people not as angry about the death because I think the death like Joel had to die in this game I think it's good that he atones for his sins but I also feel like I, I don't know it it could have it could have done a better job with the way they did his death it didn't have to be so disrespectful and just blatant I feel like that was just they knew that was going to piss off fans and it obviously did so but then um I I they announced a show after that, after Last of Us Part Two, and I was like, okay, sweet. I always kind of assumed this would end up being adapted in some way. Um, honestly, I would I would have loved to adapt it, direct it, or write it. That would have been freaking crazy. But uh, the guy who did Chernobyl was the lucky dude, uh, Craig Mazine. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, it's funny. The, his other credits before this were very odd. I think he did like the parody movies, like Scary Movie. He did a couple of those. I, I was and I was like, what the? He went from that to Chernobyl. That's, man. Sometimes you're just blessed, man. Sometimes you're just blessed with good writing skills. So, uh, but yeah, he he did Chernobyl and then he was put on this. So I was very excited because Chernobyl has a very good aesthetic to it as well. And the writing's perfect, but like the aesthetic is, oh man, it's so good. It uh it almost reminds me it almost reminded me of The Last of Us while I was watching the show so very impressed with that uh and then yeah Neil Druckmann is also on for the show so I was I was pretty hyped because I, I know a lot of people don't like Neil Druckmann because it's Last of Us Part Two but you have to remember he also wrote the first game himself he was the I think he was the only writer so. You gotta give him props for that. He came up with one of the best stories ever told, in my opinion. It's like a that that story is so good. It could be a book, a comic book, a video game, obviously, a TV show. Like it just works in so many ways. That story of Joel and Ellie, it's one of the best ever. Um, and from there, uh, I was super hyped for the show, and uh, I watched the trailer. I was even more excited. I saw the cast. Uh, I saw the cast. Pedro Pascal. I love him. I was fine with him being Joel. Uh, I think he. I, I knew he'd be perfect. And then Bella Ramsey got cast as Ellie. And those were like the two. Obviously, those are the two big castings. And Bella Ramsey. I only knew her from Game of Thrones. And I kind of was thinking, like, you know, she has like the attitude of Ellie in that show already. Like she's very, you know, <clears throat> independent and adult-like for being a little girl. She's way more mature for her age, is what I'm trying to say. Like, she can command a room. Like, obviously Lady Mormont was the head of her house, I think, at that point in the show. So I kind of knew that Bella Ramsey had what it took, but I saw a lot of people hating on her just because of her, like, looks. And, I mean, for me personally, I get it. But, like, for me, I, I just... I feel as though if you can capture the character's spirit, the look doesn't really matter as long as it's like decently similar. And I, I mean, come on, besides her face, she is a brunette white chick who's like 
around the same or lo- looks around the same age as Ellie. And that's all you really need. She like the face is a little is different, but like who cares? I think she I I knew she had what it took to take, to play Ellie, so I was I was happy for, with that. And then um, the rest of the cast, I was very happy with. Um, Nick Offerman was a huge surprise for me playing Bill. That was epic when I saw that. Uh, so yeah, I was I was super hyped for this show, um, and I already being a fan, um, I was ready. Like, I I was. It, it's interesting coming as a fan because you don't want things to change. You want it to be very closely adapted, like the video game, because the video game literally is like. It is like a movie, like I was saying. It plays out like a movie. But also, I kind of wanted to be surprised. And I feel as though the... Um, Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann found a way, at least in this first episode so far, to perfectly blend being surprised as a video game fan, but also being super happy with the way they literally just take dialogue straight out of the game and shots from the game and adapt it for the screen. And it's just so cool seeing it live action and like this high of a budget. It, I was so I was so happy. So yeah, the the first episode, I gotta say, I was extremely impressed so far. I'm I'm so happy so far. I'm almost like this was my like one of my most anticipated projects for so long, just because I'm a huge Last of Us fan, and it it even like it blew me away. It's better than I thought it would be. Um, there's a couple little things I have just as a fan of the game but as a like if you're watching this if you're watching the show and you haven't played the game before it's like oh man it's perfect it's perfect there's just some things in the game I wish they kind of put in the show just because I think it might have been a little better might have played better because I think because like there's stuff stuff in the game that um like they, they took some stuff out of the game or out of the show from the game that's like they could have easily adapted that because like it's a cutscene, and they don't need to like it's already there for you. You just had to film it, live action. But they decided to change it. Um, but I'll get to that later. But uh, I guess we'll start with the beginning of the episode. Um, it opens with a cold open with um, Big Head from Silicon Valley. He's uh, interviewing these two scientists or doctors on like this, I think it's 1968, this like talk show, um, like a late night talk show, and it was kind of just, it was there to explain what the virus is, and kind of like ground the series in a real level, and I thought it was perfect, I wasn't in the game at all, and um, they kind of had something already where they explained the virus, but, or the, whatever it was, the fungus infection, um, like through the opening credits of the video game, but in this they just had this interview that um oh man, I was so so happy with. The the way it was filmed and the way the tone of it really reminded me of uh I Am Legend, the movie with uh Will Smith. Oh that like it just gives me chills. Like it's like so it's too realistic and it's too ominous. It's it's like this gives me the chills. Like I, I've seen that that scene with uh, the opening scene of this episode a couple times now, and like every time I get chills when it when they talk about like the doctor who is played by the guy from Mummy. Um, I think it's John Hanna is the actor's name. He's it's cool to see him in something else. I think he's in Spartacus. I haven't seen that yet though. But he's uh, talking about how the fungus infection makes 
everyone just brainless and um, empty inside. And it shows, the shot shows all the people in the audience just kind of coldly staring at him. And it, it kind of just made me feel uneasy. I'm like, oh, I could already imagine all these people just being zombies and what's awaiting them and how... It just really set the tone for the series so well. Um, and the from there, the show has the... Yeah, I think it's the title sequence next. And, oh, yeah. Such a good... Such a good title sequence. They take it straight from the game, the music, which I ha- there's nothing I have to say. I'm so glad they kept the same composer from the game because the game wouldn't work without its music, in my opinion. And uh, Gustavo... Uh, I can't. Remember, I, don't, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but Santo Santolaya, maybe I don't know. But uh, he's done such a good job uh, with the score of the games. Really sets the tone, and they brought him for the show. And then, I mean, you couldn't really have done it any other way. You had to keep the same music, in my opinion. And they did. And the title sequence uses the main theme from the game, and it was perfect. And it even the title sequence kind of re- resembles the intro of the game with the fungus spreading around um but like there's little hints of like they show like a city and a a skull made out of fungus and then like joel and ellie made out of like it shows like these two little uh spores like propping up that are supposed to represent joel and ellie i was i was impressed with the title sequence i was like oh two great scenes in a row here we go i was already already happy and after that we Cut to, um, I think 2003 is, is when it takes place, which is different from the game. It's 2013 in the game. But for this, they decided to make it 2003 and then have like the 20-year gap in 2023. So that's kind of cool because then it takes place in our year. It's like a what if we were in an apocalypse in 2023 instead of being where we are now. So that was pretty cool. And so, the, yeah, I think it, it starts with Sarah, who is played by Fanny Newton's daughter, which is pretty funny. Um, Fanny Newton from Westworld and a few other things. Uh, she looks just like her, so it's kind of like, well, it's weird seeing like a mini Fanny Newton walking around. But she's, uh, yeah, she plays Sarah, and I saw some people complaining about the race swap with her. I, I don't really care about that, to be honest, just because, like I said earlier, if you can capture the spirit of the character, I don't care what the actor it looks like for the most part and she looks similar enough to Sarah where it, it, it's fine with me and she is just like the character in the game like she does a perfect job um but the show actually doesn't start at night like the game it starts in the morning with yeah Sarah waking up and uh she goes down to breakfast with Joel Pedro Pascal who uh instantly I, I, I was a little thrown off by the voice just because he has an accent like a more of a Hispanic accent than uh, Joel in the game, obviously. Joel in the game had a very heavy Texan accent, which I have to say, the um, Gabriel Luna, who plays Tommy, has the exact same voice as Tommy from the game. And he, uh, Gabriel Luna is Hispanic. So it's pretty crazy how he got the voice perfect. Like, completely captured the character from the game. I was like, oh. That, that actually might be the best casting, is Gabriel Luna as Tommy, so far at least. I mean, it was pitch perfect. To the game <clears throat> and uh but yeah um all three of them are having breakfast together and uh it was just it's kind of like i already i know what's gonna happen later so like i knew 
I know this is just setting it up to make us like like Sarah, and I'm like, oh man, this is this is gonna give me a gut punch later in the episode. <clears throat> but yeah, then uh, Sarah goes to school and after breakfast, and I have to say, the atmosphere is of like the calm before the storm is captured perfectly through um, like. I think Craig Mazin actually directed this episode. He did such a good job of making us feel uneasy and making everything just feel slightly off. Like, at the school, Sarah sees a kid, like, twitching and kind of, like, being whack. And then she goes to get the watch fixed for Joel. And, uh, like, the shop owner's wife is being super sus. And, like, then she's going, uh, she goes home and she goes to, like, their neighbor's house to make cookies and, um, in like, I think the best shot of the episode is right in this section where, uh, Sarah is like looking at some DVDs or something on the shelf and behind her, um, the old lady who's like, she's like a vegetable at this point. Like she's like, doesn't stop talking anymore. She's deaf. But like behind Sarah, you see the old lady out of frame or not out of frame, uh, out of focus. And she starts to like tweak, like she's like. Her mouth opens up and she's like, ah, like she starts like, I have no like bugging, like really creepy, really creepy. And I was like, oh man, oh dude, that like I got like, I got the chills watching that. That was freaky. And um, and then right after that, as Sarah's leaving the house, uh, she sees the dog looking at the old lady, and the dog just has like the most scared face I've ever seen on a dog. Like the dog is terrified. And the dog just staring at the old lady, knowing something's wrong with her. And I'm like, oh, man, perfect. It was so creepy. Such a good way to set up the apocalypse. And yeah, Sarah walks out of the house and jets fly over. And I'm like, oh. like it, it's just such a good calm before the storm. And I love when apocalypse movies actually show the apocalypse happening and showing the buildup. Um, like in A Quiet Place Part 2, I thought that was such a great opening scene where they showed the uh aliens like showing coming up to come to earth the first time and just wrecking the entire city like i love that and um but yeah so then i think from here that the show is really just the game like the oh jeez voice crack the game where uh sarah and Joel just kind of hang out in the house, and it's Joel's birthday. She gives him the watch, and this yeah, this is where the game basically starts. And uh, like it, it, they use the same dialogue about her selling hardcore drugs as the game, and like to get the watch money for Joel. And I, I, like it's so so well done. Even the shots, like the framing of the shot, is the exact same. And it really just made me nostalgic for the game. I'm like, oh, God, it's so good to see this finally put in live action so everyone else can see this story. That's that's the thing about games. It's like you can't really show a cutscene movie to someone because it's just kind of weird because they have all this gameplay in between. And it's low-key boring because you're not actually playing the game. But with this, you can actually get the story and show it to people who don't play video games, like my mom. She's going to watch this and be like, wow, this is a really good show. And I'm like, yeah, it's a great story. It's a great video game, too. It's just a perfect, universally good story. Um, and I, I showed her this, and she loved it. And I, I, I think all the all the critics... I think this has, like, a 99% Rotten Tomatoes. That's, like, insane. It's crazy. Um, 
but yeah, so then I think the the so Sarah's like goes to sleep while watching the movie with Joel and uh they she wakes up and oh yeah, yeah, that's right. So they they add a they show that Joel left to go get Tommy because Tommy got in a bar fight with someone who I think was infected, that's what we we're implying. And that's why he was out of the house when Sarah woke up at night. But then it cuts to when Sarah wakes up, and this is also basically straight from the game. She goes downstairs, and it's super eerie. Like, she's not sure what's going on. She sees, like, slight, like, like there's bright lights outside for some reason. And then they did actually switch this up. Instead of a, a zombie coming up to the window, it's uh, a, the dog from earlier that comes up to the window and, like, is jumping up for help. And so in the, it's like a little jump scare. And it's kind of cool that they do this because as a video game player, you know what, like, you're thinking you know what to expect with, like, the scares. But they, they, like, switch it up specifically for us. So it works for the people that have never played a video game, and it also works for the people that have. So it's, like, uh, it's so good. It works perfect. So, um, yeah, so Sarah, like, goes outside with the dog and, like, tries to take the dog back to the house where the old lady's at the dog is like tweaking like no you're not taking me back there hell no there's some bad shit in there and the dog so the dog like literally rips off the collar and runs away and um so Sarah like sees that the door is open for the old lady's house and she goes in there and she's like super creepy scene she goes in she sees like some like a blood puddle on the ground in the kitchen and she turns and sees one of the people living there has like a huge bite on their neck and it's like bleeding out and it's like help me and then she looks to her right and sees uh the old lady like eating the other lady that lived at the house and this is the old lady this is the old lady eating the is like the it's the old lady that from earlier that was tweaking she's like fully turned into a zombie now and is like biting this chick's neck and when she like looks up at Sarah, like you see the fungus like coming out of her mouth, and that's like a, such a cool addition because that wasn't in the game, and that was just terrifying. You never see, you don't really usually see that with zombies. Usually, it's just like they look up and like, you know, like just teeth. But like this had like full like tendrils coming out of its mouth, so freaky. And uh, yeah, so the old lady chases Sarah out of the house. And then that's when, like, it kind of comes back to being, like, the video game. Because that, that's all different with the old lady and all that. That wasn't in the game. It was, it was um, I think their neighbor, uh, Jimmy or something, maybe that was his name. Or the Coopers. Yeah, I think it was the Coopers, yeah. They, like, run to the window, and then that's when Joel shows up, and he's forced to shoot him. Uh, but in this, uh, Joel and Tommy show up and in the truck, and... Uh, Sarah's running away from the old lady, and Joel smacks the old lady with a wrench in the head, I think, killing her. And, uh, that's, and then they kind of, like, they, uh, drive, they drive away, they get out of there, and they drive away, and Sarah's like, oh, you killed her. And Joel's like, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And that's also just, like, the game where he's forced to kill the Coopers, and she's like, you killed them. He's like, yeah, I know, I'm so sorry. So, it, but they do, like, a little twist on it, because it's not the Coopers, it's the old people. 
But then as they drive away, the old people, the other old people in the house turn and they come out. There's zombies now, and Joel hits one of them. And then, like, one of the neighbors, another neighbor comes out who is, like, not infected, just like a normal person. And they're like, Joel, why did you just, like, run over <laughs> the neighbors? And Joel's like, get back in the house. And they um, they drive away, and the neighbor goes, to, like, to check on the person he hit. And then he, I'm assuming the neighbor is, because you kind of just see, like, the other zombie running towards the neighbor. So I'm assuming the neighbor just dies right there. And I, I was thinking, like, you know, honestly, if I was in this situation, I was that neighbor, and I saw, like, Joel just hit the old person, I'd probably go to see if the old person was okay. You know, I wasn't, I, w- I wouldn't be thinking that there was a zombie apocalypse happening. So, I mean, that's fair enough. But, uh... As they're driving away, it literally becomes a video game. Like, it's the same shot of the POV of Sarah in the back of the truck looking through the windows. And you see the cop cars drive by. They go the other direction. They see the burning house, which is straight from the video game. Even the dialogue is straight from the video game. And it's crazy hearing Gabriel Luna say the dialogue because it's like, it sounds just like Tommy. Just like Tommy. Um, But then, yeah, so... Oh, yeah, they even have the part where they drive by and they see the people, and Joel's like, keep driving. We'll help. Uh, they'll find someone else, which kind of starts to show Joel's, you know, his personality and his beliefs. Like, you know, we got to protect our own. We don't got to worry about anyone else. And so, yeah, but then they get to the highway, just like the video game. It's blocked off, so they go out, and they make it to, like, the little, like, small town area. Where all hell has broken loose. People are running away. There's zombies running around. And um, they do something cool where, like, you you expect the car to hit Joel's uh, or Tommy's truck just like the game. But instead, uh, the like, you see a car come around the corner and it, like, slams on his brake. So it doesn't hit him. But, like, so as a player, you're like, oh, do they not? How are they going to crash? How are they going to get into this part? And then... You see a plane, like fall, like a commercial airplane falling out of the sky, and I'm like, oh my god, that's that's crazy. I I, I love seeing events like this because it's like our real world. What would happen? A plane, if if some if the pilot got infected, it would just fall. Planes would be falling out of the sky, so like, and that would be crazy if that happened. So like, obviously, it uh, falls on the ground and it just causes a massive explosion, and uh, some of the debris from the plane spins out towards the truck and hits Tommy's truck and they uh that's how they get in the crash instead of the car hitting them so then the the Sarah it's like in Sarah's POV again she wakes up and she has like the broken ankle just like the game and she sees uh a dude just getting like torn apart by a zombie or I guess in the in the game it's like getting torn apart but in the show it's just someone getting like their neck bitten by a zombie which in, in the show, they do such a good job of making the zombies seem, like, insect-like, almost. Or just not, like, so not human at all. Like, the way their body movements act, like, they twitch and they, like, fly around, like, or not fly around, but, like, jump around like insects. It's, it's, it's freaky. It's like the fungus just has them, like, use their momentum. And that's, like, their main weapon, the zombie's main weapon. Just to throw themselves at you. Um... But, yeah, like, as it's eating this person's neck, it's just, like, you just see, like, the the zombie twitching, and it's just freaky, really freaky looking. And uh, so Joel gets Sarah up, and Tommy gets, I think I 
police car crashes actually right here, which is a little different from the game. Uh, so it, that separates Tommy from Joel and Sarah, and that's this is where it goes to Joel having to carry carry Sarah through the alley, um, and then they they see all these zombies eating all of these like all these people are just on the ground being eaten by zombies, and then one of the zombies shoots up and looks at Joel and Sarah and. The way that zombie shot up was so like terrifying. Like it, it was way too fast, way too fast. It was freaky as, oh. So, the Joel and Sarah run away from the zombie, and that's another thing. The zombies in this are like very similar to the like the World War Z zombies, where they were super fast. And they throw themselves around. At least that's how it uh, seemed like in the this episode so far. And the video games are a little more not like that. They kind of, they didn't throw themselves around like this. They just kind of. Um, like ran at you they didn't really like they didn't do that I felt like but um yeah so Joel and Sarah are being chased by this zombie through the restaurant they get outside and the zombie is shot just like the game and of course the guy who shot him was the soldier and I was like alright here we go this is the scene this is the make or break scene if they do this right then I would say the episode is good even if they mess up the post time skip part, I think if they get Sarah's death right, then the episode does its job. And guess what? They do an excellent job of capturing that scene from the game. They put their own spin on it slightly. Well, the soldier has a little bit of different dialogue, and I low-key like the dialogue from the game a little better. And I also like the music from the game a little better. They, they use the same like melody, but it's not like it doesn't sound exactly the same. So. Those are my only two, like, slight disappointments with this scene. But, like, overall, though, like, the acting the from Pedro Pascal and uh, the Sarah, Sarah's actress, they are, it's so good. Like, it, it really makes you emotional. Even as someone who's played the game, like, I got emotional watching that. I'm like, ah, oh, damn. Even all these years later, it hits just as hard, this scene of seeing a father lose his daughter, like, in his arms. And... Um, they do a, they do a good thing, a, a cool thing with the camera where like it, like Joel looks away from Sarah for one second at Tommy. He's like, "What do we, what do we do?" Or he's like, "Like help me," and um, Tommy's like Joel, um, and then he looks back at Sarah and she's already gone. Like she has passed, she passed away in that moment. He looked at Tommy, and I was like, "Oh yes, it's tragic, absolutely tragic." Um, and then yeah, we get the. 20 year time jump into 2023 and I mean just like I was looking at the prologue as a whole because that's kind of like its own section it's not really like it's not super connected to the rest of the game like the plot wise it's just kind of like introduces Joel and his character um it, it it was perfect like one of the best openings for an episode I've ever seen or a pilot I've ever seen and I knew if they used the story from the game, it'd be perfect. But like, they the stuff they add on to the prologue only makes it more creepy and more suspenseful, and it really fleshes out Sarah as a character. So her death hits way harder, and I think that's what they're gonna try to do. Is like instead of having all these gameplay fight moments where you like, like in so, I'll, I'll get to this later specifically. But like, there's not as much fighting in this episode as there is in the game. But they spent a lot more time with the characters and developing the characters, like, on their own. Like, with scenes that weren't from the game. 
So it just kind of replaces the gameplay sections with new scenes of them just kind of interacting with each other. Which, I'm, I'm fine with that. I think it, it, it develops the characters more, but it just makes the show a little more slow than the game. Which is fine. Obviously, it's not, not going to be as action-packed as the game. But, I mean... I'll, I'll get to that, what I mean later, specifically. But, um, yeah, so we have the 20-year time gap, and... Uh, it shows like a, a little girl, I think it's a girl, or I don't, I don't know, I think it's a girl, yeah, walking through the um, wilderness of the forest, uh, and clearly, like, she looks very tired, and she looks like she's starving, and on the brink of death, practically, she's like barely moving, she's walking super slow, and then she comes across like a hillside, and she sees um the boston uh quarantine zone and like this is such a good like shot establishing shot of the qz just straight from the game and like the cgi here it, it is crazy and like it's it's such a wide shot of the city as well you see the destruction that's happened in the last 20 years and it's a huge jump from what you just saw before <laughs> but yeah um so the kid goes down to like the entrance of the HQ and they let him in, but they strap him down. And I think they do a good job here of showing like kind of how the, you know, the HQ works and also showing how the device that uh, scans you to see if you're infected or not works because that plays a role later. So they show that uh, the kid gets tested, and the one of the like soldiers is trying to console the kid, telling him everything's gonna be all right. And then they get the scan, the, like they scan the kid, and it's it, co- it turns out red. Which I was watching, and I was like, okay, so that means he's infected. And the even on the soldier's face, that's like trying to comfort the kid. You can see as soon as she sees it's red, her face goes like, oh man. Like for a little bit, like just a second, you see you're like, oh, this, I gotta do this again. Like you can see she clearly doesn't enjoy it, but she tells the kid that like. If they give him an injection after, they're going to bring him his favorite food and they're going to bring all the toys he wants. And I'm like, oh, they're just trying to make him feel better before he goes to the great beyond. And I, I honestly, that's, I mean, what else can you do at that point? You kind of have to do that because otherwise he's just going to turn to a zombie. And the way they described it in the intro as well, that's another thing I didn't really mention about the intro is that they say that like, as you're being infected by this fungus, it's basically putting, you're still alive. It's just putting your brain through like a horrible trip. Like, your brain is completely under the fungus's control, and it's making you go through, like, an awful, practically, mushroom trip. Like, you have to be going through some crazy... Like, your brain is in so much pain Go like while you're doing this, because you're still alive. You're, I, I think... I don't know if you're, you're not conscious, but, like, you're just... Your brain is just being tripped out the whole time. So I think it's it's mercy that they do this to this kid. Um, I mean, like, what else are they going to do? But, yeah, so then it cuts to Joel, and you clearly see he's much older now. He, like, has his hair is all gray, and he's disposing bodies, and it shows that the kid that um, they injected, they show that his body, so, like, it shows that he was actually being injected with a lethal injection, so that was very, very good, very good establishing, just showing the decay of the world, and also how Joel is doesn't really feel anything as he picks up the little kid's body and throws it in the fire to burn. After he's lost Sarah, he his whole personality changed, and he's very cold now. And that was a good way of showing that. 
Um, and then he goes to uh, get ration cars, and he, he's like, I'll do sewage because it pays the most. So he's like clearly willing to do whatever just to survive and make money, um, no matter what it is. And he's also a drug dealer on the, on the side, and he like, sells like uh, pills to like one of the guards at the QZ. And I gotta say, the aesthetic of the QZ is straight from the game. Like, it looks just like the video game when you walk around in Boston. And uh, yeah, they do a really good job of capturing that uh, same feeling. Uh, but yeah, then I think it goes to, it shows Tess, who is played by Anna, Anna Torv, I think is her name. I haven't seen her in anything else, but I, I heard she's in a show called Fringe, and I haven't seen that before, but I heard she's super good in that. And as Tess, I gotta say, I loved her as Tess. She does such a good job. She doesn't look like the character, really. I mean, kind of the same thing as Ellie. Like, you got the basic look there, but her face is not the same, obviously. And she looks a little older as well. Uh, but her personality, though, is Tess. Everything about it is Tess. So props to her for doing that. And then... Uh, after they introduce her, she's a uh, she's being like interrogated by Robert, who's from the game, who's like one of the guys they sell to uh, Joel and Tess sell to as smugglers, and uh, she's like this wasn't in the game, but yeah, she's like strapped down, and I guess they kind of they allude to this in the game because they say she comes back to Joel with a bunch of bruises on her face in the game, which they show in the show. But they didn't show how she got the bruises, but in this they kind of show that like she's being captured by Robert's dudes and she's being interrogated. And she's like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do anything to you. And they also they show that Robert's super afraid of Joel, and which also adds to like Joel's character. It shows like he's not a guy to be messed around with. It establishes that he's known for being brutal if Robert's afraid of him. And she's like, Don't worry, Robert, he won't hurt you. But then all of a sudden, um, the room blows up because the fireflies attack. And this is where the another part of the show changes from the, the game is they kind of show a little more of the fireflies. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> they uh, they kind of like give us a little more perspective to their side. Just, I'm assuming, that's because they want to make us sympathize with them later because of what Joel does at the end of the first game. <laughs> and also because it kind of sets up the second game way better. And if they're, I'm assuming they're going to adapt the second game just like they did like the first game, so they're not going to change anything really. So, they kind of they need to make the fireflies more sympathetic obviously in this. And they get the same actress who of uh the literally the same mocap actress from the game who played Marlene is back for the show. And she does a great job. Obviously, she's the same exact character. So she knows what she's doing. She's played the character before. And, yeah, uh, they, they try to make us, like, show, like, the what the Fireflies, like, are doing, like, on the inside and how they're planning to attack um, the QZ. And I think uh, this is where Marlene gives, like, one of the Firefly soldiers. She's like, we're not, we're heading out to Boston. We're not doing this anymore. We're going to get this one girl across the country. And this is this is kind of starting to go into my only slightly big problem with this episode is they give this girl or the rebel soldier Marlene gives the rebel soldier a piece of paper 
that's like says why Ellie's so important. And you see the soldier's face light up, and she's like, "What? Really?" And Marlon's like, "Yep, that's why we gotta get her." And all of a sudden, the soldier's like, "Okay, yeah, we'll do this, no matter what." And I obviously I know why, why Ellie is so important. But as a casual viewer, you're, this is kind of like, "Ooh, it's setting up intrigue. Why is the, why is this little girl so important?" And then they show Ellie for the first time. Her first scene is her tied up with, um, she's like captured by the fireflies, and she's like being tested to see if she's infected so she's like counting down from 10 and she says like f you to the uh the firefly tester which i thought was a great introduction to her personality and all right i could already tell that bella ramsey could easily pull off ellie just from that one scene i'm like oh yeah she she has the attitude and from there uh like I think Marlene goes in to see Ellie and gives her her backpack and is like, look, I knew your uh, mom and I, I'm the one who put you into this, uh, like into the QZ military school as a baby. Like, so we captured you, but it's been part of a plan all along. And Ellie's like, oh, okay. So I guess I can trust you now. And, uh, yeah, that was a, I, th- I don't think that was in the game either. That, uh, that kind of shows more of a connection between Ellie and Marlene and establishes why Ellie would care about the Fireflies. Uh, but, yeah, I think after that, we go back to Joel, and Tess shows up to him and has all the bruises on her face, which is from the game. And they go out, and this is kind of where I expected for uh like there to be some action in the show or like at this point in the episode for there to be some like shooting and fighting and joel and tess are sneaking down below the qz and they come across an infected body that has like obviously died but has just been you know sprouting fungi out of it everywhere and has been like kind of just grown into the wall and it was really cool practical effects right there. Like, I was impressed with the way it looked, how how cool it looked. And then, uh, yeah, Joel and Tess go to, I think they're trying to get Robert because he has their battery that they want. And they go to him and he's, they're all hit, Robert and his whole crew are already dead. And I was kind of like, oh, so they're just going to cut out the whole like, fight scene with Robert and seeing Robert die and the interaction with Joel and Tess. Because I thought that was pretty funny in the game. Like, I thought that was a good cut scene. Because that's what I was saying earlier. Like, they could have easily adapted that. They didn't have to cut that out. So, I don't know. Uh, I guess we don't get to see Robert's death in the show. And I guess all the fireflies killed him. So, you know, that's, that's fine. That's what it is. Uh... But uh, yeah, that that this is where Marlene and Joel and Tess meet, and Marlene's like, "Look, I have a task for you because I, I guess all the fireflies just kind of got messed up here with Robert, so they can't do that anymore." But Marlene tasks uh, Joel and Tess with getting Ellie across the country to uh, Colorado, and uh, or not to Colorado to uh, Tommy. <clears throat> and oh yeah, I forgot to say this. Joel's been trying to find his brother because this wasn't in the game also, but this is a good addition to the show. Joel's been 
trying to find Tommy, and uh, he like, um, that gives him motivation to actually go across the country, other than you know just being told by Marlene to do it. Like, he actually has a reason now to want to go over with Ellie because he already wants to see his brother, and then Marlene's like, yeah, take. Ellie to Tommy because Tommy used to be a firefly and Joel's like all right I'll do that I'll I'll take her and we get another scene after this that's straight from the game where Ellie goes to Joel's apartment and Joel falls asleep on the couch and Ellie goes up to him and is like your watch is broken which was such a gut punch just thinking about especially because it's the same episode where we saw Sarah die it was like oh she fixed that watch for him and then it broke same night that she died and it's just like oh, it's just a reminder of her her loss and Joel just kind of scoffs it off and he he wakes up to Ellie looking outside and she asks him if it's going to be more dangerous like than it already is and that was straight from the game and I was like oh so it's great interaction between the two kind of starts their begins their uh, um, relationship and yeah, that was a very important scene to adapt, and I'm glad they put it in the in the show. And at, right after this, uh, this is basically the end. Is where Tess, Joel, and Ellie escape the QZ, sneak out, and the atmosphere was again straight from the game with the lights going down and the Fedra looking around and trying to find rebels. And they get out. They're almost outside the city when. They find only, instead of the game where it's two guards, they only find the one guard in the show who was already met earlier with Joel, who he was, this is the guard that Joel was selling drugs to. And this is the scene where they um, are supposed to reveal that Ellie is a mute. And they kind of do in the show, but here's the thing. I, I, I they don't really do a, a very good job of telling us that Ellie is a mute. It happens way too fast, and it's very rushed, and it's just, like, if you, it's a blink, you miss it kind of thing. It's not lingered on very much, which I think is kind of a problem. Obviously, we'll see this Sunday if they, like, keep, um, if they, like, establish more that Ellie's immune. Because I think, um, uh, like, they're gonna, they're gonna do flashbacks, obviously, um, with Ellie and, uh, Riley, because they mentioned Riley earlier in this episode, and she's she's cast in the show, so they're in, they're gonna do the left behind stuff, and so they'll probably they'll, that's probably where they're or where they'll uh, like establish her being immune more, but I don't know. I think that's such an important thing for the show, and it's so essential to the plot that like that was a scene that they should have really adapted, where Joel and Tess just about kill Ellie because they're like you know you're bit you're infected. We can't be transporting an infected kid, but you know. Whatever, they'll, they'll change that. And then, um, from there, Tess, Joel, and Ellie run into the Boston uh, ruins, and they see the buildings from the game that have collapsed on each other, which is perfect. Great. It gets me hyped for the next episode, because I'm like, oh yeah, we got the same exact layout as the game. And this is probably where they'll adapt some more of the gameplay stuff, is right here. Because they kind of have to take the gameplay section and put it in here, because it's so essential with the clickers and and all that at night. And I think you actually even see a clicker on the, one of the roofs of the building as the episode ends. You you see it like roaring and you hear the noise. And an 80s song plays as well, which I think, yeah, in the episode they established that like 
80s, according to Joel and Tommy, means uh, trouble. So, yeah. And I think that's, that's, yeah, that's the end of the episode, really. I was so, so happy with this. I was so relieved because, obviously, a lot of video game adaptations are not very good. And I know people are like, oh, yeah, Castlevania is amazing. Arcane's amazing. Sonic's really good. Those are not straight adaptations of a plot. Like, they don't really adapt the games. They take characters from the games and make their own story. Or they, like, very loosely adapt it. This is, like, a one-for-one adaptation of the game. Because Last of Us is one of the only games that you can really do that. I would say this and God of War are, like... And maybe Red Dead Redemption 2 are, like, some of the only ones that you can really just take the plot and put it into a movie. Because the plot is so good. And... Yeah, I mean, they they did it perfectly. It was, I'm not gonna lie, it would, it would be it would be hard to mess up, but they didn't mess it up. Thank God, they did a good job. <clears throat> so, yeah, I'm I'm really excited for the rest of the show. I'm assuming they're just gonna adapt the first season, or the first game in the first season, and then the second season, the third because the the second game's like double the length of the first game, so the second and third season will probably be the second game. And then after that, who knows? If they, I don't know if they're going to make a Last of Us 3. They don't need to. The character of Ellie is basically done as far as her relationship with any character from the first game. <laughs> like, if you, do, if you do a third game, the only character that would really be returning, I can imagine, would be Ellie. And she would have a completely new journey ahead of her. Or you could have, like... You could maybe have Tommy in there. But I, I don't... I couldn't imagine... Tommy showing up again at least Ellie going back to Tommy I, I, I wouldn't see that um but yeah that's that's I'm, I'm I'm excited man very excited uh I'll be doing these every I think I said every Monday this one's a little late obviously but I, I love talk I think it's kind of a good time to be talking about shows because I was going to do a, a pod on Babylon but I I saw the reviews and I I just had not have no interest in seeing that movie. So maybe I'll I'll do one eventually, but for now I mean this kind of just fills in the time I can talk about a show that I love, which is easy, and see the differences between this and the game. Like it's going to be so crazy to see some of the stuff from the game adapted cuz like there's some I would say that this hasn't even reached the best part of the game yet. Like the stuff that we've seen so far. You like you still have the Sam, the Henry and Sam stuff. You have the uh, cannibal stuff that comes later. I think that's actually the best part of the game is the cannibal stuff. Like that episode will be insane. And then the ending of the game with the fireflies and Joel. Like that's gonna be super interesting to see if they add like Abby's dad as a doctor or like if they're gonna make Joel look like evil in that episode. It's just gonna be really interesting. Or to see if like they. Like, what stuff they add. Like, I hear there's a few deleted scenes from the video game that they're adding to the show, which is pretty awesome. And it's going to be interesting to see if they shift this focus more to Ellie rather than Joel to, like, prepare us for what eventually is going to happen. Because if you look at The Last of Us as a series, it really is about loss and your reaction to it. And it's... You have Joel, and it establishes Joel at first. And But Joel is not the main character of the series. It's Ellie. So Joel's role is to make Ellie sympathize with him. And then the natural 
point of the series is to take Joel away from Ellie and to see how she reacts, and that's the entire point of the second game. The first game is all setting up the relationship, and that's all just set up for Ellie's eventual journey to Seattle to get revenge. And that's another thing I'm super excited for, is if they do the second game, I'm assuming they're going to have it take place in Seattle, my home state. I'm going to be super hyped to see a post-apocalyptic Seattle on the big screen, or small screen, but like big budget. That would be badass, because that's a really cool area. I mean, you get like the whole vibe over there is perfect for like a post-apocalyptic zombie show. It's overcast, ferns, and like it's like a practical rainforest over there. But yeah, um, I'm getting off topic. But <laughs> yeah, I, I love the episode. Craig Mazin uh, directed it. I don't know who's directing the next episode. Um, but I'm assuming, I think Neil Druckmann's directing some of them, which is cool. Uh, but yeah, I think the next episode will probably be about... I'm, just, I'm trying to think about where it might end. I think it's going to end with the Tess uh, death. The death of Tess. That's where I'm thinking it's going to end. Uh because like I mean that makes the most sense and then the third episode will be Bill's episode which I've heard, I've heard is that episode is like focused on Bill so that'll be that'll be cool to see like another one-off episode uh, but yeah um, that's all I really gotta say uh, if you've listened this long thanks uh, I hope you guys have been enjoying the podcast I'm still not professional yet. I'm still learning my way. So it'll get better as time goes on. But thank you for listening. Um, I'm glad you guys bore with me (laughs) for this whole time. So, yeah, Uh, have a great rest of your day. And I'll see you all on the next one. Peace. Oh, yeah, that's right. Eat your fucking cinnamon rolls. Have a great day.